89.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned for continued fun drive here on KPFA. Hi, this is Jesse Adegui, the mayor of Berkeley, inviting you to join the Radioactive Resistance Concert starring Arturo O'Farrell and the Afro Jazz Orchestra at the lovely UC Theater on University Avenue in downtown Berkeley. This benefit concert also features the Bobby Cespedes Band, Son Jarocho All-Stars, and a special appearance by actor and activist Danny Glover. It all happens Saturday, May 12th at 7.30 p.m. Tickets are available at the UC Theater box office or online at kpfa.org. This is a benefit concert for DACA Support Services and KPFA. Thank you. The Bay Area tunes to 94.1 FM for unfiltered news, analysis, and the world's best alternative music. For nearly 70 years, KPFA has provided a platform that lifts the voices of the Bay, giving voice to the voiceless, voices that educate, and voices that resist, persist, and disrupt. KPFA continues to uphold our responsibility of being the Bay Area's truly independent radio station. No corporate sponsors, influence, or dependence. We are 100% supported by you. Please donate today at 1-800-439-5732 or securely online at kpfa.org. Become a member today for $25 or a KPFA ally, a sustaining member who sets an amount for automatic monthly donations. Or make a one-time donation at 1-800-439-5732. KPFA has a rich history, truly a cultural institution, as the first listener-supported radio station in the country. We're seven decades old, and we're still here speaking truth to power. Join our community of allies and help us to continue to make history as a thought leader, a connector, a driver of high-level community engagement. Call 1-800-439-5732 or donate securely online at kpfa.org. Thank you. I'm Brian Edwards Teekert. We're going to start with a new talk from Paul Hawken presenting his new book, Drawdown, the most thought-through, practical proposals for actually getting the planet's climate system under control. Next, after the news. I'm Christina Onestead with these KPFA news headlines. President Donald Trump is withdrawing the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal, which eases sanctions against Tehran in exchange for Iran's limiting its nuclear enrichment program. Trump, in a national address today, said if he allowed the deal to stand, there would soon be a nuclear arms race. We will be instituting the highest level of economic sanction. Any nation that helps Iran in its quest for nuclear weapons could also be strongly sanctioned by the United States. America will not be held hostage to nuclear blackmail. We will not allow American cities to be threatened with destruction. And we will not allow a regime that chants death to America to gain access to the most deadly weapons on Earth. 
Trump called the agreement defective. Individuals briefed on his deliberations say the most likely scenario is that Trump would allow sanctions on Iran's central bank intended to target its oil exports to kick back in rather than waiving them once again Saturday, which is the next deadline for renewal. Iran's President Hassan Rouhani addressed Trump's move, criticizing the U.S. for not sticking to its word. He spoke to a national address and he pledged to honor the agreement with the other European nations who have signed on to it. We will be instituting the highest level of economic sanction. Any nation that helps will be instituted. In the hours before the president's announcement, the European Union underlined its support for the Iran nuclear deal. The European Commission spokesperson said the agreement is working and Europe remains committed to continue with implementation. The National Rifle Association has named its new president. That's retired Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, who was at the center of the Iran-Contra affair three decades ago. North's appointment was ripped by gun control advocates who called the move symptomatic of an NRA tone deaf, given his role in the arms trafficking scandal that engulfed the White House in the Reagan administration. Conservatives and gun rights supporters hailed North as a patriot who would vigorously battle efforts to restrict access to firearms. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office says it's opening a criminal investigation into accusations of physical abuse by New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman. Four women accused the Democrat of physical violence in a New Yorker article published Monday. Two of the women went on the record saying Schneiderman repeatedly hit them, often after drinking and without their consent. Schneiderman says he's engaged in role-playing and other consensual sexual activity at the time, but didn't assault anyone. He later said he would resign at the end of business today. Neither woman filed police complaints, but both say they sought out medical attention and confided in people close to them about the abuse. A police officer who's worked for more than 20 years at the San Jose Police Department has filed a claim alleging he's experienced continuous harassment and discrimination based on his race, religion, and national origin. That's according to the Mercury News. Nabel Hader is Muslim and Lebanese-American. According to the Mercury News, he says although the behavior increased in severity over the years, he did not complain for fear of retaliation from supervisors. Hader says his tipping point came after a November police department event when a sergeant called him an ISIS veteran, referring to the self-styled Islamic State group. And Facebook says it's banning foreign advertisements related to Ireland's abortion referendum amid concerns North American groups are trying to influence the campaign. Irish voters will decide May 25th whether to repeal a constitutional ban on abortion in a referendum that has drawn international attention. I'm Christina Onestead. My name is Brian Edwards Teeker. We're very pleased to be pivoting from the nonstop gloom and doom to something pointing towards solutions to some of the problems we've been dealing with. You're probably familiar with the work of Paul Hawken. He's been one of the most prominent writers in the world of environmentalism for the past 30 years. And he has just wrapped up an ambitious research project that asks if the political will were there to reign in climate change, what would reversing it actually look like? And to chart out steps.
step-by-step the solutions that would make that happen. The book is called Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming. And he presented it to our friends at Town Hall Seattle. With their permission, it is our very great pleasure to bring you excerpts of that talk this morning. Here's Paul Hawkins. Thanks for coming out. It is a beautiful day in Seattle. Uh, I understand that it's gone tomorrow, but anyway, <laughs> it's what it's like to live here. Um, drawdown. Drawdown means that first point in time when greenhouse gases peak and go down on a year-to-year basis. That's the definition. How did drawdown start? It started in 2001 when I read the IPCC summary third assessment and like the ones that preceded it it was more pessimistic than the one as it as it follows to get more pessimistic and the reason for that isn't so much that things have changed is that there's less suppression of the data because there are consensus reports but there's no such thing as scientific consensus science is evidentiary it's not about consensus the consensus was in the Saudi Arabians and the Chinese and the Russians and the Venezuelans suppressing the projections and the science of the, uh, of the fantastic group of people uh, that comprised the IPCC so I read it I parsed it sort of looked at it we have a big problem. I had found about, I was educated in climate change when I was at Stanford Research Institute in the 70s, the biochemistry, the physics of it. It's pretty straightforward. It's not difficult to understand, actually. And, um, and so later in that year, there was data presented for the solutions. And everybody was very excited about it. Um, and this is... Um, what uh, captured my attention at that time. And so oftentimes what you hear is language around climate change was about mitigation, about reduction, about stabilization, about net zero. You hear this, this language. Especially now, it's really important to name the goal. If you don't name the goal, you're not going to probably hit it. <laughs> if you don't know the goal, if you don't understand the goal, and the goal is drawdown. So when you use words like, not you, but when words are used like mitigation and reduction and slowing down, it's really like Thelma and Louise in slow motion. <laughs> if you're going over a cliff and you slow down, you're going to go over the cliff more slowly, okay? <laughs> or if you're going down the wrong road and you slow down, it's still the wrong road. And so the language around how we should address this problem has been very, as I say, as a, um, what's the word, a weak need. Uh, and not really helpful. Um, somebody said to me, well, Drada, what an ambitious goal. I said, no, I'm not ambitious. You guys are really not, amb- you're unambitious. You don't know, you know, it's like this is not ambitious. This is about preserving civilization. This is about creating the conditions in which music, art, right, society, culture, knowledge can grow, burgeon, blossom, uh, this is for us. This is this perfect Holocene period of climatic stability in which civilization emerged. So I went around at that time, talked to friends at NRDC and Woof Woof and uh, Sierra Club, uh, EDF, and said, we should make a list. We should figure out what it is we can do. What do we, we don't know what we can do. I want to know. I'm just like you. What can I do? What can we do? Let's figure out how to solve this. And I said, yeah, it's a great idea. And so let's figure out the, the carbon impact and what would happen in 30 years. Is drawdown possible? Even possible at all? Maybe it's not. Who knows? And what would it cost? Yeah. 
And they said, great idea. We don't have the expertise. I said, well, I don't either. And so I kept asking others to do it, and no one did it, and I, I forgot about it. Okay. And I forgot about it until 2012 when Bill McKibben's piece, Global Warming's Terrifying New Math, came out in Rolling Stone, and Jim Hansen had a piece in the New York Times. And, and I had friends come to me and say, literally, quote, it's game over. It's game over. I tried. I worked hard. Futile. And my response or inside are going, oh, like, oh I'm going to move to the Squamish Valley. It's my <laughs> I'm going to British Columbia. Yeah. It's like, as if that was the solution. And I thought, well, maybe actually it's the other way around. Maybe it's game on. When there's that level of, frankly, in this case, terror. The, the problem, the solutions that are proffered out there are proverbs. They're not solutions. They're proverbs. It's like, love your mother. Good idea. And, and, you know, don't forget the power strip. Good idea. And wash it in cold water. And, you know, change the light bulb. You know, and what's happened is the communication around climate change and global warming has been like, well, this is what you can do. And, you know, and you're okay. And, and, and as if it all was on your shoulders. Really, you know, I mean, the implication or that if you didn't do it, then you feel guilty and you feel bad about yourself. You know, I mean, think about it. And it's very difficult to do. Move closer to work. You know, I mean, it's great. You know, like you can afford that. You know, <laughs> I'm moving to downtown Seattle. I'm rich. OK, so so this is the book. Um, draw down the most comprehensive plan ever, ever proposed uh, to reverse global warming. Well, let me explain the first part of that title, ever proposed. The reason we can say the most comprehensive plan ever proposed is that no one's ever proposed a plan. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, we had the high ground and we still have it. We could say the most brilliant, literate, nuanced, artistic, whatever we could say, whatever we want on that title, and it'd be true. Okay, um, because there's nothing to compare it with, you know, which is sort of astonishing when you think about it. I'll get back to that. And what's affecting our perception around this is how we get the news. And how we get the news is really, and usually in headlines, usually with a sense of threat, of doom, or gloom. Um, not, it may not be true in this room, but and certainly the, the, the greater mass of people in the United States and the world uh, get their news this way, you know. And um, this is, I love this one, this one, uh, because uh, as you can see uh, over here, you know, you have clickbait. You know, a wife smashes husband's head with frog ornament and kept him mummified in layers of sheeting for 18 years. And here's the Tower Bridge, you know, being overtaken by a tsunami, obviously, from rising seas. And they're there as if they were, like, you know, on level of importance. So, draw down. Who are we? Well, we're not me. Um, we had no money. I went to foundations and said, we want to do this thing. And they said, well, show us when you get done. <laughs> we kind of need the money now. And I said, well, okay. Oh, anyway, so I borrowed money from my retirement plan and gave money that 
money had been given to me to write a book by an Italian philanthropist. I gave that, and so we started. But we had no money to hire a, a, a really great staff, and um, a big staff, that is. So we put out the call around the world to uh, academics and students for drawdown fellows, for research fellows. And we were overwhelmed with the most amazing resumes. You know, people, oh, I've won the Aga Khan Award. I'm a White House fellow. I'm a Rhodes Scholar. I'm a this. So they had better resumes at 26 than I have now. And they're just these astonishing people all over the world. And this is who they are. Almost half are women, 40%. Half have PhDs. They all have advanced degrees. They're from 22 countries, six continents. And this is the, this is drawdown. This is who did the research. If we're going to do this, it has to be a coalition. It has to be a collaboration. It has to be us talking to us, we talking to we, not a white charismatic male vertebrate saying, I've got a plan. We've got one in the White House. I mean, that's the worst thing you want is a white male with a plan. So that's just not going to cut it. And so, uh, so we needed, you know, men and women with an idea and with a heart and with compassion and with great scientific minds. And we also got 128 advisors. These are some of them. And along with the 128 advisors, we have about 40 outside expert science reviewers. And so what we did is just collect all these solutions. We were going to map, measure, and model the top 100 solutions to reverse global warming. That was our self-imposed mandate. And so we started gathering them all and going through them, winnowing them, looking, checking, doing back of the napkin stuff and one by one we accumulated this list that's in the book and some of them dropped out when we got deeper into them and we had to add some but basically it came down to 80 that we modeled and 20 which we call coming attractions that are so they're valid scientifically but there's really not sufficient data in terms of the carbon or the financial impact we modeled both the carbon impact and the financial. What was the cost? What's the return? What's the net operating savings? What's the lifetime savings, etc. So we did both. And on the carbon, we only used peer-reviewed science. Okay? That's the only input we use. Not anecdotal science, not internet science. We use real science. And, um, and uh, so, it, and we also did it in such a way that we always chose the more conservative number when we had a choice. We always went conservative. And the criticism we got for what you're going to see from our advisors and from our outside scientific experts was you're too conservative. It's low. It's too low. It's better. It's cheaper. It's, there's more impact. And that's exactly the criticism we wanted. That was on purpose. We want people to say it's better than that. And so what do we do? We just do math. That's what we do. And the math has been done on what's going to happen if we don't act, but it has not been done on the top solutions to global warming. And an anthropologist is going to have to figure out why we didn't do that. There's only two things you can do about the atmosphere with respect to global warming. Stop putting greenhouse gases up there, which is conservation, efficiency, or substitution, or sequestration, which is photosynthesis, forest, farmlands, grasslands, and bring it back to Earth, bring it back home where it came from, okay? And so we'll just go whizzing through this. This is improved rice production. Rice is a big source of methane, and if you change the production methodology, costs nothing. 
You take the water off the patty in the middle and let it become aerobic again. It's anaerobic before then and after. And you increase productivity, you get a better yield, you can space your plants farther apart, it actually costs less, you produce more, it produces methane production by 50%. As you can see, the cost is one farmer walking across his field to the next one in teaching. That's it. There's zero cost to, do, to this solution. But it saves a lot of money. Uh, coastal wetlands. Uh, this is nuclear. We got criticized from Sierra Club and Greenpeace. You know, how could you put nuclear in that? And uh, and it's a good question. It's a fair question. We put it in because our mandate was to map, measure, and <laughs> model the hundred top solutions to global warming. That doesn't mean we're advocates of them. It doesn't mean that there's not solutions in here that have spillover effects. It doesn't mean there's not solutions here that are re- we call regret solutions. Most of them are no regrets, which we should do them no- if there was no climate science whatsoever. We should do them. They have so many benefits in terms of peace and security and health and well-being and jobs. And- but some of them are the other way around, and this is certainly one of them. But the reason we did it is because we had to maintain our objectivity. If we start saying, oh, I don't like this solution, I'm going to leave it out, or this one's a really cool one, I like it, my friends are doing it, then the whole book and all our work would be completely suspect and thrown out. So that's why it's included. I happen to think it's the most ridiculous way people have ever invented to boil water. But, I mean, that's all it does, you know, is boil water. I mean, let's be real. There's no magic to this. It's just, whoa. You know, this is um, a rooftop solar. And again, what we tried to do with the imagery is to try to uh, uh, open up the, uh, get rid of the cliches around these things. Not a drone shot of Atlanta, you know, suburbs with solar panels and shingled roofs, you know. It's like, how inspiring is that? And um, here is an Uru woman in Lake Titicaca with her two daughters living on a straw island, uh, which will sink if she doesn't replace the straw every three months. And she was using kerosene at night on a straw island. And now she has a solar panel. No wonder she's grinning. Of course. Not only is she safe, but her daughters can read and learn at night. Okay? So uh, we wanted to make sure we could look at these solutions in a broader, uh, as a broader canvas. And it, it, not just as inanimate objects, you know, that are sold and have, you know are renewable as an energy source but have um, many more implications. This is uh, one of my favorites called Educating Girls. And and this is, um, I might as well hit this right now, number six, way up there. Uh, you know the drill, I'm sure you do, from uh, Girls Rising here, Vulcan and, and the Girl Effect, and so much work has been done in this area, which is what happens if a girl isn't taken out of school in fifth and sixth grade at pu- puberty or pre-puberty and married off by her culture or family or for whatever reason. Um, and what happens is she gets to choose to be a woman on her own terms instead of in being imposed upon. And her rate of reproduction goes from five if uh, average and, and higher in certain countries um, and if she's allowed to go to 10th, 11th, 12th grade then she then is a very different person and the average reproduction rate is two which is below replacement rate and she, because of her education earns more, she puts more resources into her children her sons and daughters do the same thing as she did in terms of their family planning um, and the impact is significant I want to get back to this because it's really important 
Anyway, what's surprising us is this. The number three solution is reducing food waste. Didn't see that coming. We can understand. Once we saw the numbers, we can work backwards and say, yeah, 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 yeah. It all adds up. It added up. Yep. Uh, number four solution, plant-rich diet. Yeah. Now, this, this doesn't mean vegan or vegetarian if you, unless you choose to. It's fine. No problem. What it means is reducing the animal intake of protein in Western nations to a level where you actually are healthy. And that's all. <laughs> Which is not 80 grams or 100 grams a day. That is not healthy. It doesn't matter where you think you're getting it or what paleo diet you're on. It's not healthy. But it also includes raising the caloric and protein uh, content for people who are, have insufficient nourishment in the world. So we didn't just reduce the West, you know, or the, the, the wealthier countries. We actually increased caloric and protein content in those countries. And it still came out as number four. So, um, uh, so what surprised us is that the food sector is bigger than energy. Like again, like, and again, we looked at it, well, let's look at this carefully. And, and you would think, I mean, what's the solution to global warming? Oh, solar, solar wind, solar wind, EVs, and solar, solar wind, and don't eat so much meat. And then you say, that's it. They have a hall pass to the 22nd century. Not a chance. That's not true. That's just not true. What we've been hearing over and over and over again, uh, yeah, those are critically important solutions. I, they're all important, but I'm just saying the idea that there's just these few things we can do and they're okay, you know? And you just hear it all the time, that mantra. Every one of these solutions is scaling. Every one of these solutions is can-do, practical, hands-on, W.W. Granger. They're happening right now. They're not things we could do if only the, all of them were doing them. They're all scaling. We understand them very, very well. Okay. Make that very clear. Um, and uh, food is eight of the top 20. Uh, again, okay. Uh, energy is five of the top 20, and you have solar and wind. If you add... 22, offshore uh, wind, and onshore, which is number two, uh, you put them together and they're number one, not refrigerant management, which you saw on the other slide. However, this is a top solution, standalone solution, uh, which we're actually sort of disappointed to find out. <laughs> not that it is not a great solution. It's just that the HFCs, the gases in refrigeration and, and AC, have a, a, a global warming potential uh, that's thousands of times greater than CO2. So it doesn't take much for these to... Um, and uh, this is well in place. This is one I want you to look at. Here's Educating Girls again, but look at the next one after. It's family planning. We divide, we separated them because the pathway for, in terms of educating a girl versus a family planning clinic for a woman, so she has reproductive choices and support for her health and her children's health are very, very different pathways. They end up in the same thing. There's no bright line between the impact. You can't say, well, this comes from that and this comes from that. So we just divide it evenly right down the middle. Point being, add them both up. The number one solution to reversing global warming is empowering girls and women. Yes. 
Legendary environmental economist Paul Hawken presenting his new book, Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming. The book is fresh out, and it is a detailed blow-by-blow source of hope. He started with the assumption, let's posit that there is the political will in the world to tackle climate change. What would we actually do? And the funny thing about that approach is that it backs into solving a political problem, which is when you gather people to sit down and talk about actually addressing climate change, somebody in the room says it's either too hard or too expensive or will be too disruptive to our society. And this book is the rebuttal to that dismal paralysis. Um, We decided that given everything that's happened in the world, we had to take a shot at bringing some hope. So what we're offering as a thank you gift is this brand new book by Paul Hawken that goes in detail through the food system, through our land use system, through our transportation system, um, through our material sciences and how even the types of cement we could use could help reabsorb carbon dioxide from the atmosphere all the way on to the technologies on the horizon from the hyperloop to industrial farming of hemp for carbon sequestration. The book is available in our pledge room right now for a pledge of $110 or more at 1-800-439-5732. We're also offering the DVD of this talk that Paul Hawken gave at Town Hall Seattle. And if you've been listening closely, you've probably been able to tell um, one of the things the audience is responding to is slides there. It's a very visual presentation. He has photographs. He has detailed charts and graphs. And if you would like the full impact of his presentation, particularly if you would like to share it, I recommend you get the video. That DVD is yours for a pledge of $100 or more at 1-800-439-5732. And if you'd like the book and DVD together, we discount the combined pledge rate to $180. It's just $15 a month if you do installments. 1-800-439-5732. There's a yawning chasm between where we are and where we need to be at the end of this fun drive to keep the lights on at KPFA. So why not keep the lights on in a more sustainable way and pick up your copy of Paul Hawkins' Drawdown. 1-800-439-5732. Here's one more reason to give before we go back to the talk. We have three listeners, Jay in Petaluma, Lydia in Santa Cruz, and Sean in Sebastopol, who have offered to double $740 if we can raise that much to match them. Now, what that means is right now you have a chance to do three things with your money. Keep the lights on at KPFA. Make your money go further because of the challenge. And pick up one of these Paul Hawken gifts for yourself. The book for 110 the DVD for 100 or both for 180 It starts with you making a call at 1-800-439-5732. There's our first two callers. 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Or online at www.kpfa.org. We want to bring you as much of the speech as possible this hour. So if you want to shop around for other thank you gifts, go to kpfa.org. We're going to count on you to keep calling as we return to Paul Hawken. This is what the solutions to global warming look like. Look like something you would see in nature, not something you would see uh, from an Excel pie chart. And, um, and uh, 
This is uh, stoma and guardian cells, stomata. Um, they are in every leaf and twig in the world and needle and <laughs> bract. Uh, when you hold a handful of leaves, there's a hundred million of them in your hands. Um, and they are um, the key to drawdown. Uh, when stomata are open, they're releasing their moisture, but also eating CO2 for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. This is, you've seen this, I think many of you have seen this, is a NASA simulation of carbon emissions. Um, in, the, you know, the orange and the darker the red and the darker red and the vermilion are really um, meant to uh, symbolize concentrations of CO2 in the atmosphere. And so what you see here is what happens over a span of a year. This is winter for, for most of humanity. And what most of humanity does in the winter is try to keep warm and turn the heater on the car and, you know, in their home. And all. we're using a lot of power and we're still working industrially and putting gases up in the atmosphere and making things. Um, and uh, that goes and gets worse and worse and worse. And it peaks uh, in May. Um, and you can it, the the CO2 levels peak, but just in May you start to see these little blue wispy things in the northern hemisphere, and then they become stronger and more pronounced, and they keep doing that through June, July, August, September. Right. So what's happening there? Well, CO2 is being sequestered by the trees leaving out. You see them beautifully right now in Seattle, um, by the grasses, by crops. Farmers have planted things. Those crops are sequestering CO2. Um, and, you know, you don't see much more And now, right? Okay. The, the, the fact is that every year we draw down 6 to 7 ppm. Drawdown happens every year. I mean, significantly. So it goes up and it goes down. The earth is breathing. So it's not only possible, it's happening. So when we talk about drawdown, we're talking about shifting so we have some equilibrium so that the emissions are not as great as the capacity of the earth to bring carbon back home on an annual basis. It's not ambitious. It's right in front of us. If we're going to do this, we have to change how we talk about it, you know. Um, if you use words like negative emissions and decarbonization and, you know, G2, EQ, I mean, you're just telling the people you're writing to or talking to that they don't know anything and you do and they really aren't part of the problem and solution, you know. I mean, the, the language around climate science is guaranteed to alienate people who don't know the lingo and the jargon. It's not necessary. You don't have to use it. If you understand something, you can say it in words that everybody can understand. And, and so the other thing about language, and there's many things there, but the other thing about language is stop, we have to stop using the metaphors of war. I mean, combat climate change, fighting climate change, stopping climate change, you know, slashing emissions, you know, the war against, uh, I mean, because that, that, those, those verbs, you know, are the verbs of dualism. That's, that's, the, that's the verb where there's something other out there than you. It's like, it's a not me. You know? So I'm going to fight that thing. It's the enemy. It's stop it. Like, well, that's the thinking that caused the problem. 
exactly the thinking that caused the problem. Thinking that there's an ocean we could stick plastic into. There's an atmosphere we can put our carbon uh, into. And so we can't solve it with the same mindset that created it. And furthermore, that mindset alienates and divides. So you take those headlines that we saw before, gloom, threat, doom, all right? And then you take that rhetoric, and then you take the scientific American and other things like, oh, power strips, and, you know, move closer to work, and washing cold water, and you're going, mm, yeah, okay, and so forth. So now you have a little bit of guilt and shame. You mix it all together, and stir well, you have indifference, numbness, right, denial, like, I can't, I don't know what to do. That's not a way to come together. And it alienates people. And every second, you receive 11 million pieces of information, your brain, every second. And 40 of them you process, and about six or seven you actually do something about. Okay. So if the constancy of the information is about we're screwed, you're going to get a population that votes for you know who. And we also have coming attractions, and I'll close with this. Um, and these are solutions that are scientifically valid. But there, as I said earlier, there's not economic or, or scientific data to model them. So we don't model them. Or they're so incipient, or they're just above the horizon, just below the horizon. But what it shows is that the 80 solutions we model are not the only tools that we have. It's not our total tool set going for the next 30 years. That humanity is brilliant. It's incredible. And we have 20 of them in this book. We're doing another book called D2. It's called 60 More Coming Attractions. And, and these are just, this, we just regale in them at the office, you know, because it's like, God, people are amazing. And this guy, Brian Van Herzen, PhD in physics, and he has a, a Cessna 337 and a glaciologist friend of his said, when you fly over Greenland to Europe every year, we should count the melt ponds. And he did in 2001. He said, well, there's thousands of them. And then and two years later, he was flying over and he said, well, they're more like melt lakes now, actually. And then two years later, he flew over again. It was like a lake. A really, really big lake. And he got it. How fast the ice sheet was melting. And he invented this. This is big frames made of recycled PET under the water. Salt water doesn't break down PET for some reason. And um, and there's these pumps that... um, basically are actuated by the rise and fall of the water and they have these tubes that go down to the thermocline to bring up the cold nutrient laden waters below which are now being stopped by these big heat bubbles causing by 97% of the heat from increased warming is going into the ocean not the land 97% is going there and so the natural circulation is slowing down and stopping so it brings up the cold nutrient laden water and you have then phytoplankton zooplankton algae kelp foragers feeder fish you have the whole ecosystem comes in weeks it only takes weeks before they did one in hawaii and i think six weeks they had a whale shark (laughs) they're vegetarian they want the kelp you know i mean so he's talking about restoring the productivity of the oceans, 99% of, of, of the marine, uh, 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 of the oceans in tropical areas are marine deserts. There's, there's no life at all. Uh, this is hydrogen boron fusion. We're running out of time. You can, it's, um, it's cool.
put it that way. They were 17 years in stealth because they know that fusion is where governments dig big holes in the ground and take bulldozers full of money and put it in and bury it. And, 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 and the scientists say it's 30 years off, but it's coming, you know. And so uh, Dr. Glenn Seaborg was the founder. He's dead now. But, um, and they said 17 years in stealth. Uh, they've raised $500 million, just raised $265 million last month, another 265 People who are close to the technology obviously think it's going to work. I say it's 20 months. They have one more milestone to go. I followed them for 11 uh, years as a journalist. I think they have uh, one more milestone to go, which is not the most difficult one. This is baseload power. It's clean. If a reactor goes down, shuts off, you can start it with a Honda generator. <laughs> I mean, it's actually actually very cool technology. This is repopulating the mammoth step. It, and it's really about bringing animals back to the subarctic circle. We wipe them out as hunters, the Clovis people and others. And what happens is when there's grass there and there's ruminants and, you know, Yakutian horses and elk and muskox and reindeer, in the winter they brush away the snow to get at the dead browse to eat, you know, when it's, you know, dark and everything. And the temperature of the soil goes down 2 degrees centigrade, which protects the methyl hydrates in the permafrost. And so it's a permafrost protection solution. It's just brilliant. This is the last one. I named this one. Uh, it could be called the cowbot solution too, but and what it is, a farmer in Prince Edward Island, Joe Dorgan, uh, noticed that the far, he's a dairy farm, and most farms in Prince Edward, Edward Island are near the ocean, actually, when you think about it, but he noticed that the, the cows are eating seaweed produce more milk, and so he asked a local friend, he said, oh, you should talk to this scientist, and why? You know, he's like, what's going on? He said, well, because methane production is, you know, so uh, uh, inefficient, and so therefore, it's suppressing methane production, uh, and so they did an experiment where they fed lots of seaweed to a few of the dairy cows, and they put plastic bags on the head, and, you know, measured the emissions, and poor cows, but uh, for science, and and, uh, and um, and sure enough, it worked, but they had a, you know, a lot of, a lot of kelp, you know, and it was impractical, expensive, but instructive. And so the scientists heard about somebody in Queensland who was doing the same work, and they got together. He went down to Queensland, and they just tried to find something that would mimic what the uh, uh, kelp was doing in the seaweed, and they found something called Asparagopsis taxiformis, which native Hawaiians eat. Uh, it's delicious, actually. And if you feed it in a 2% level into sheep or goats or cows or cattle, uh, methane production is reduced 70 to 90%. You know, and, and it's so cool. And how it was discovered. So remember the marine permaculture guy, you know, the guy who's going to put these frames under the water and grow. Those two are working together and raising money to grow asparagopsis taxiformis on marine permaculture. And what marine permaculture does is because kelp sequesters carbon faster than any plant above or below. I mean, that's number one, is that you deacidify the oceans. Uh, And you produce protein because you produce fish, right? And so... um, and lastly, uh, is there a business case? I love that question. I don't get it from you, but I do get it from business people. And I, I said, wow, business case. I'll tell you the business case for this. If you tell me the business case for double glazing the planet, destroying the oceans, and clear-cutting our tropical forests, and you know, 
poisoning uh, everything else in between, you know. That was, this question itself is so interesting because it sort of implies that the business is just about money, you know. But it turns out that when we added the numbers, I said 12 weeks ago we hit the total button, uh, we have to make sure we don't double count, and system dynamics is a complex model. And it turns out that if we institute these solutions over the next 30 years, we'll save 20, uh, $78 trillion. <laughs> save money. In other words, what's the cost? The cost is zero. It's not, there's no cost at all. Um, and I want to just read you uh, just an excerpt from one of our, um, one of our greatest uh, U.S. scientists, um, uh, Matt Damon. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, he did come back from Mars, okay? I mean, um, so... But remember at the end of the movie, if you saw it, I mean, he was the wise, you know, uh, elder, so to speak. And he was went to a class of newbie astronauts, you know, and, and he was asked to address them. And he, this is what he says, so pay attention because this could save your life. He says, when I was up there, did I think I was going to die? And he said, yes, absolutely. And that's what you need to know going in because it's absolutely going to happen to you. This is space. It does not cooperate. This is atmosphere. It doesn't care what we think. It doesn't cooperate. All right? Uh, he didn't say that. I'm saying that. <laughs> At some point, everything is going to go south on you. Everything and you are going to say, this is how it's all going to end. So, now, you see, you can either accept that or you can go to work. That's all it is. You just begin and you do the math. <laughs> I love that part. You do the <laughs> You solve one problem and you solve another and you solve the next one and the next one. And if you solve enough problems, you get to go home. And that's what this is about. Let's go home. The inspiring words of Paul Hawken presenting his new book, Drawn Down, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming. We have a little bit more of the speech we want to bring you. Before we do, we have to get over the top on this $740 challenge. As of this second, we are $180 away from making it. The phone number is one 800 439 1-800-HEY-KPFA. And here are the thank you gifts you can get for your pledge. Uh, the brand new book from Paul Hawken is an incredible, comprehensive guide to what reversing climate change would actually look like. What are the practical solutions that have been tested with peer-reviewed science and could be put into effect were the political will present? No one has added up and tallied them all to date, which is why he can claim this is the most comprehensive plan ever created. And it's this incredible walk through points of hope and inspiration because they talk about our potential as a society. Ways to overhaul the energy system with everything from wind turbines to tidal power to distributed solar generation to concentrated solar generation. Ways to overhaul the food system. It turns out that one of the 
biggest strikes we can make against climate change is simply cutting down on the level of food waste we have in our food system. The incredible benefits that can be made from empowering women to take control of their economic lives and their own reproductive health. Uh, regenerative agriculture, the way that you grow crops determines whether the soil the crops are growing in is going to be a net carbon emitter or a net carbon absorber. How to overhaul the transportation system with everything from high-speed rail to electric bikes. Replanting forests, indigenous land management, the material economy, products like alternative forms of cement that actually absorb and and mineralize atmospheric carbon dioxide and the technologies that are not proven yet but are on the near horizon. Everything from the Hyperloop rapid transportation system proposed by Elon Musk to industrial hemp cultivation for carbon sequestration. Draw Down the Book by Paul Hawken is yours for a pledge of $100 or more. This talk which is a DVD, and it's a DVD because he is talking over slides that he's presenting to his audience in Seattle, presenting detailed charts and data and images of places in the field that he and his researchers visited in the course of putting this book together. That DVD is yours for a pledge of $100 or more. The DVD and the book together are just $15 a month or $180 all at once at one 800 439 Three, two. The phone room says we're now $80 away from making that challenge. So one more pledge for the book or the DVD or both puts us over the top and brings in an extra 740 for this radio station. 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-HEY-KPFA or online at kpfa.org. All right, we've just had a bunch of calls come in. Uh, we want to bring you more of this speech, so keep calling, and we can keep playing Paul Hawken. You can shop for anything you gift you want at kpfa.org. If you need to remember the number, it's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Back to Paul Hawken in Town Hall, Seattle. Let's not waste a minute thinking that we can't do it, or that's impossible, or that somebody else is going to do it for us. You know, or that we need somebody at the White House who understands it. We would like that, but we do not need it to act, to support, to enlist, to engage, to implement these and many other solutions. There is no small solution. That's what I'm trying to say. Is there small people? Is there lesser species? Is there a lesser star? Is there less? I mean, that thinking is the thinking that got us. Oh, let's focus on the big ones. Solar wind, solar wind. You know, it's like all of them together. And the ones that seem marginal and small are extremely important. So it's a matter of like, do you resonate with it? Yeah, I resonate. Well, then do it. Help it. Figure it out. And somebody's asked like, whoa, how does this relate to politics? I said, I don't know. We'll see. But we do know one thing, and, and that is that the Commonwealth of Nations, 52 nations, former British Commonwealth, the Secretary General, the Honorable Baroness Patricia Janet Scotland, the former Attorney General of the UK uh, from Dominica, a force of nature, unbelievable one, unbelievable, has adopted Drawdown as the template to reverse global warming and, 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 and to institute economic and ecological regeneration for all 52 nations in the Commonwealth. And that's 
almost one-third of humanity and one-fourth of the landmass. She saw the book early on PDF form and said, let's go. And that is for real. And that's happening. And the research we're doing from now on will present it. I just want to say, we can do this. And, and, and so, and, you know, there's two ways to look at it. It, it. You know, global warming and climate change is happening to you. Oh, dang. <laughs> That's unfair. They did it. I wasn't involved with that. I didn't make the decision. You know, I mean, let's sue them. Uh, uh, you know, they're bad people. And, and I'm really upset about it. And I'm a victim, obviously. You know, I mean, the two preposition is a dangerous preposition. Is what I'm saying. The preposition is for. It's happening for you. This is happening for us. This is a gift. This is an offering. This is feedback from the only home we know, which is planet Earth. And it's the feedback from the atmosphere. And it's begging us to transform everything we do and reimagine it to make a far kinder, more generous, compassionate, beautiful, productive world than the one we have today. And that's what this is about. Thank you so much. Paul Hawken presenting his new book, Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming. We want to bring you as much of the speech as possible this hour. Unfortunately, that means I've only left myself five minutes at the end of the hour to convince you to donate the money we need to keep KPFA bringing you voices like Paul Hawkins. We made a decision that there needed to be some rays of hope. And couldn't think of a better work on a bigger problem facing our society than Paul Hawkins' new book on climate change. He sets aside the political question for a second and says, assuming that there's the political will to deal with climate change, what would we actually do? What are the technical solutions? What would we change about our food system, our land management system, our energy system, our transportation system, the way we build buildings and cities, the way that we live and eat and raise children and empower women in this society? And he and a large research team walked step by step through solutions, reviewing the peer-reviewed sciences, building the models and doing the math to show that it is not only possible to reverse climate change. It's within our grasp. And it's not only within our grasp, but the things that we would do to reverse it would make us happier, healthier and more just as a society and suddenly it takes away the argument that it can't be done that it's too costly it takes away the dismal paralysis that creeps into discussions around climate change and that is one of the most important interventions we can make that's why we're offering paul hawkins book drawdown the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming for a pledge of $100 or more, excuse me, $110 or more at 1-800-439-5732. You can combine it with the video of this talk where he is walking through incredibly detailed slides with his audience, uh, images from their field work, charts laying out the data and the models that they've built. The two together, the video and the book, are yours for a pledge of $15 a month or 180 all at once at 1-800-439-5732. Whatever you do, we're asking you to do it in the three minutes that we have left because we are almost out of time. And it means we need to make every hour count. 
So if you appreciate it, having a ray of hope, if you appreciate having a platform for someone who's actually thinking about solutions, even in very dark times, then we're asking you to show that support by making your pledge at 1-800-439-5732. Thank you to those three calls. 1-800-HEY-KPFA or online at www.kpfa.org. Joined Thomas, who just pledged from Oakland, and Marina, who just pledged from Berkeley, and Suzanne, who pledged from Larkspur, and Phoebe, who pledged from Berkeley. Folks, you're never going to hear me thanking Exxon or Walmart on this program. This station runs on listener support. It was built to run on listener support. It's what makes us who we are. These aren't the companies hoping to put a dent in your wallet or convince you they're a force for good in the world. These are your neighbors, your coworkers, your colleagues, your fellow listeners, your comrades, the people who are pledging their own hard-earned money so that KPFA can be here for you. And we're asking you to do the same for them. We have a minute and 40 seconds left for you to make that call at 1-800-439-5732, one 800 Hey, KPFA, or online around the world at www.kpfa.org. And if you can, pick up something for yourself. I don't know how you've been feeling emotionally. It's been a roller coaster for me, and I've been grasping, grasping for reasons to not just give in to a glum despair. Here's some concrete hope. Here's someone who has spent years with a team of researchers looking at solutions to one of the most profound existential threats facing our society. Paul Hawkins, Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming is yours for a pledge of $110. That's in book form. Um, And it is written exactly as accessibly and as entertainingly as his presentation is delivered. If you'd like to combine it with the presentation so you can see his slides on video on a DVD, you get the book and DVD together for a pledge of 180 at 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-439-5732-1-800-HEY-KPFA or online at www.kpfa.org. You already know, right, that Yanis Varoufakis, former finance minister of Greece, is the co-founder of a global grassroots movement to revive democracy. He's also the author of several outstanding books, including Talking to My Daughter About the Economy and the new blistering expose, Adults in the Room, My Battle with the European and American Deep Establishment. Both Noam Chomsky and Slavo Zizek praise him highly. Many consider Varoufakis this leather-jacketed, motorcycling rebel who openly opposes the international corporate class to be the most interesting man in the world. Are they right? Find out Wednesday evening, May 16 at 7.30 when he'll be at First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way in Berkeley. This KPFA benefit, wheelchair accessible, will be hosted by the excellent Steve Wasserman of Heyday Books. Tickets at indie bookstores and online at brownpapertickets.com for Yanis Varoufakis, May 16th. Radioactive Resistance is a benefit for KPFA Radio and DACA support services. Featuring multi-Grammy Award winner Arturo O'Farrell and the Afro-Latin Jazz Orchestra, the Bobby Cespedes Band, and the Son Jarocho All-Stars, plus special guests. Saturday, May 12, 7.30 p.m. at the UC Theater 2036 University Avenue in Berkeley. Arturo O'Farrell says, quote, We are thrilled to support the work of KPFA and his sacred commitment to truth and dialogue. Don't take KPFA's 
existence for granted, KPFA needs your support now more than ever. Support KPFA by attending Radioactive Resistance, featuring Arturo Ferrell and the Afro-Latin Jazz Orchestra, the Bobby Cespedes Band, and the Son Jarocho All-Stars, Saturday, May 12, 7.30 p.m. at the UC Theater, Berkeley. Visit the UC Theater.org for more information. See you there.